you are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Monday, May 16th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well out there in the Auburn Opelika area. If you're listening in the Birmingham, Sylacauga area, across the state of Alabama and across the country, I hope you're doing well. Also, I appreciate you all tuning in here to the Monday edition of on the line how was your weekend hope you had a good weekend i did i stayed busy lots of sports over the weekend lots of game sevens over the weekend from the nba and the nhl lots of exciting stuff going on in the world of sports so i hope you had a good weekend i did uh weather's pretty nice you know partly sunny partly cloudy heat's not too bad but the next couple of days it's going to get into the 90s folks and summer is here we've talked about it and summer's here so enjoy the the coolness if you can say that today because it's going to start getting into the 90s and that's when it just starts getting hot let's just be real uh lots of rain yesterday didn't expect that the downpours a couple times yesterday but that also happened but regardless hope you had a good weekend Glad to be back on this Monday afternoon here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. You can call in, be a part of the show at any point today. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You can call in, be a part of the show, talk about anything you want to talk about related to sports. I'd love to hear from you and what you have to say about everything going on, NBA, NHL, Auburn football, anything else on your mind, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. In hour two, we're going to have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He's going to come on and talk about Auburn baseball and their result against Alabama over the weekend. So he will be on in hour number two. He is back for his usual Monday 3.30 slot. So make sure you stay tuned for that. If you missed any of uh, my previous shows, you can search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded there. Uh, All my previous shows, including today, right after the show, you can go and find it. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Again, you can call in, be a part of the show. I would love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Countdown to football season, folks. 110 days. We are 110 days away from September 3rd, the kickoff of the Auburn football season. It's going to fly by, folks. I'm telling you, it's going to fly by. I'm excited. I hope you are as well. You know, there's, it seems like a long time between then and now, or between now and then, I should say, but 110 days is going to fly by. And there's, you know, there's still some stuff to talk about. We're going to be able to talk about some things. SEC Media Days is going to come up. That's when it really starts getting exciting. And then 
fall practice will start beginning of August, and then we've got a month from there, and then the football season's going to be here before you know it. School will get started back up, and it'll be here before you know it. So 110 days from now will be September 3rd. It will be kickoff for Auburn football, and I am excited. I cannot wait. I think it's, you know, I think it's going to be a great year, but we still have a long way to go. It is, it's a long way from now, but it's going to go by fast, and so stick you know stay with me hold on because we're gonna get through it together it is the off season but we're gonna get through it together and we can do it I promise we can do it but to start off today's show with some Auburn football news if you happen to miss it over the weekend Auburn football they add a another defensive presence to the football team a defensive back his name is Craig McDonald he transferred from Iowa State he was in the transfer portal Auburn picked him up he committed to play for Brian Harson and the Tigers he will be coming to Auburn as a defensive back for the Tigers look this is a good pickup guys this is a good pickup for Auburn okay I know I've talked about how the guys in the transfer portal are probably not day one immediate impact players right I've talked about that but you can still get good players out of the portal. I said that as well. You can still find some good guys in the portal that you can develop into being those types of players. I think that's what Craig McDonald can be. So Auburn picks up a defensive back transfer from the transfer portal from Iowa State in Craig McDonald. Look, here's a few things to talk about with with Auburn picking up Craig McDonald, okay? You know, Auburn's obviously having to go to the transfer portal to get some guys to fill some holes on their roster and to also make sure that they've got enough dudes to get through the season, okay? So Auburn's obviously still having to go to the portal. You know, we'll talk about the stats and what to expect from Craig McDonald on this Auburn team. Where does he fit in on the current roster? Because let's be honest, he's probably not going to be a day one starter, but where on this roster is he going to fit in? Is he an instant impact player? We're going to talk about that as well. And then at the end of the day, what does this mean for Auburn and Brian Harson picking up a guy like this out of the transfer portal? That's what we're going to talk about when it comes to Auburn football, adding Craig McDonald from the transfer portal, the defensive back transfer from Iowa State. So first of all, obviously Auburn having to go to the transfer portal to pick up guys you know, to, to kind of fill in the rest of their roster, pick up a few guys at the last minute to to add to the you know, to add to the team, to be a part of the program that can get some minutes, get some reps, you know, be an impact player, but maybe not a starter, right? And somebody that you can develop into a starter maybe down the road. But why is Auburn having to go to the transfer portal? Let's be honest, they're behind. They're behind. They're behind most teams in the SEC. They're behind a lot of teams around the country. And that's what the transfer portal is used for by the teams. We know what it's used for by the players to go and find a new home, to go find a new program. But the transfer portal for the teams is, hey, we need some more defensive backs. Let's go to the transfer portal and see what we can find. That's what Auburn had to do. And I know we were looking for Auburn to try to get you know, some more wide receivers. They did pick up one, right? They did pick up one, but we were looking for Auburn to get more wide receivers and even maybe some offensive linemen. That didn't really happen to the extent we wanted to see it, but Auburn 
obviously they they wanted some more defensive players to add to an already stacked defensive roster. I think Auburn's defense has got to be really, really good. But they realized, hey, we still need a couple of guys. So Auburn has one option, is to go to the transfer portal because they are behind. Brian Harson knows it. The staff knows it. The team knows it. The fans know it. The media, we know it. Everybody knows. And so that's what Auburn's having to do. You go to the transfer portal because you are behind. But is this going to be something that Auburn can continue to do and make up ground? Long-term, no. Long-term, no. You cannot live in the transfer portal and expect to be a contender in the SEC and a contender for the national title. You can't live in the transfer portal. But you can use it to your advantage to try and catch up until you can get your recruiting to be where it needs to be. Because you've got to win on the recruiting trail. I think this staff is getting there. I think they are making up ground. But to help them along the way, you got to get through the transfer portal. Help yourself out. Use your resources. And that is the portal right now. And I think Brian Harson and the staff have done a pretty good job. Yeah, we can nitpick and say we would have rather seen this, this, and this versus what, what, what they got. But I think they've done a pretty good job. And so will this work long term? No. You can't rely on the portal to be your recruiting grounds. But you can use it to your advantage to make up where you're lacking in recruiting. And especially in just year two for Brian Harson, I think it's an especially important factor. It's something they have to focus on. Go get guys that have some experience that can come in and make your job just a little bit easier. That is what Craig McDonald is. No, he doesn't have great stats. He doesn't have just blown off the page stats and a lot of reps, but he has college D1 Power 5 experience. He does. When you look at his stats from, from Iowa State, he has one year. He had 41 total tackles, 24 solo, 17 assisted, had two interceptions, and a couple pass deflections. So, not great, but he has played. He was a freshman, so he has played, and he got some snaps. He got some tackles, had a couple of picks, so he knows what he's doing. Is he, again, is he going to be just jumping off the page with stats right now? No. Right? No, he's not. But... He has experience. And so to transition into you know, his stats and what Auburn is getting with this player, that's what you're getting. You're getting a guy that has played Division I, Power Five college football for one year. He has played at a Big 12 school, so you are getting somebody who doesn't have SEC experience, but you know that take that for what it is. But you're getting a guy that has experience, and I think that speaks volumes. I think that speaks volumes. You're not getting a guy that redshirted one year, hasn't touched the field since he got to college, and you're going to have to train him like a brand-new football player. Auburn's not going to have to do that. You get to teach him your defense, but you're probably not going to have to teach this guy a bunch of college fundamentals when it comes to college football. I think that's good. I think that's big time. You don't have to worry about that. You can take a guy like him – put him on the back end of the roster and say, hey, with hard work, determination, and good performance, you're going to move up on this roster. Because I think he can. I think he can. And so I don't want people to look at his stats and say, well, that's not very good. He only had 24 tackles. Yeah, but he had some playing time and experience. That's what Auburn wanted. That's what Auburn needs. Auburn needs that. Because without that, it's just another recruit. 
which there's nothing wrong with that, but there's a difference in getting somebody who can join the team that has experience versus a brand new freshman coming out of high school who's never seen the field during a college football game. So I think that's the difference. So don't look at his stats and say, well, how good is he? He only had this many tackles, blah, blah, blah. He has experience. And I think that's what's going to help Auburn. That's why this is such a good addition. Anytime that Auburn, and not just right now, even in the future, or any other team for that matter, whenever you can get a player that already has experience, you're so far ahead already versus getting a high school recruit. There's a huge difference, right? You can understand the difference there. when, And that goes for any field. You know, you hire somebody from electrical engineering who's been an electrical engineer for four years versus somebody straight out of, of college. There's a difference. Doesn't mean that the guy out of college isn't going to be any good, but the guy that's got experience is probably going to be better right now. Same situation right here. Same situation right here. You get a guy out of the portal who played Division I, Power Five college football for a year. He has some reps. He has some experience. He's got some stats, and he knows how to play the game. So now you can work on teaching him your defense, develop, developing him the way you want him, and hopefully he turns out to be a pretty good player on your roster for the next few years. Courtesy of Auburn Daily and our, our good buddy Zach Blackerby, he talked about in his article today, make sure you go check it out, it was really good, but he said he would have given, if you look at last year's de- defensive grade for Craig McDonald, it was 71.1 in 2021 at Iowa State. That would have been seventh on last year's defensive roster, courtesy of Auburn Daily. That would have been seventh on Auburn's defensive roster last year. That's pretty solid because look at some of the guys that were on that team last year, right? Go read that article. It was really, really good. I recommend it. But that just kind of shows how he is going to fit on this team, Craig McDonald. And so where is he going to fit on this team? How is he going to fit on this roster? What will his role be on this defensive team and on this defensive staff? Well, is he a day one starter? No, he won't be. I don't think so. Unless he comes in and just blows everybody out of the water and just goes off and, and really just really, really impresses, I don't think he'll be a day one starter because Auburn's already got some really good guys on the back end, right? Yes, you lose mccreary to the draft but auburn and you lose a couple of guys to the draft but i think auburn is still going to be just fine back there so bringing in a guy like craig mcdonald who only has that one year of experience right yes he has that experience but it is only one year and it is minimal so there are you know you can look at both sides of the coin here he will not be a day one starter i look at him to be more of a more of a role player He's going to come in on specific downs, specific yardages. You know, I'm not sure what that's going to be, but you know, he may come in on third and long. That may be his type of uh, his type of play, right? He may come in where they expect the team to go deep or something. I'm not sure. We will find out what that is, but I think he will have a specific role as he develops, as he gets better under this defensive coaching staff, under this defensive play scheme I think that is what we are going to see from Craig McDonald I think he could be a very good player he's a good athlete go watch the film the guy can play but I think it's going to take some time to get him to where he needs to be to be a starter on this defense but once he gets there I absolutely think he could be a starter 
But I don't think that's what we're going to see in 110 days. I don't think you're going to see him jog out on the field for the very first defensive snap. And that's okay. That's not what people are expecting here. And don't. Don't expect that. If you are, don't. Because that's not why he was brought in. Auburn didn't go to the portal to get him and say, hey, we need you to get on this team and start day one. That's not what they're looking for. Auburn's looking for guys that can be really reliable backups, even reliable third strings that they can work on behind the scenes. And in a year or two from now, he could be that starter. He could be that dude on the back end of this Auburn defense. He could become that player. That is the type of player Craig McDonald is for Auburn right now, which is why he's such a good pickup. So that's where he is on this roster. He's not a starter. He may not even be the go-to backup back there. He could be that third string. But when he is called upon and needed, he's going to have to come in and do his job. And if he does that as a role player, if he does that, then he's going to do really well here. And I think so far, Auburn's coaching staff, this coaching staff, and Brian Harson, I think they've been able to judge talent really well. I think they've been able to do that. I think they've been able to judge talent really well, and I think they've been able to develop that talent really well. I've talked about that. I think they've been able to develop talent really well. I'm interested to see what this specific coaching staff does because, again, this is the first time we're seeing these these set of guys, or I guess this set of guys as a coaching staff, work together to coach, develop, train, all of that. This is the first time we're seeing it. So I'm interested to see what that's going to look like and how players are going to get better at Auburn. That's got to happen. It's got to happen with Craig McDonald. It's got to happen with everybody else that comes through here. So if he can get better and develop on the back burner while also getting some experience, that can lead to great things for him and for Auburn's defense. That's what the role is for Craig McDonald. That's where he fits on this roster for Auburn's defense. Let's take a break. We'll come back. What kind of impact is Craig McDonald going to make on this Auburn defense? And then ultimately, what does this mean for Auburn? What's this mean for Brian Harson? Stay tuned. I'll have your answers when we come back. You're listening to the Monday edition. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Rolling on with the segment of Auburn football, adding Craig McDonald, the Iowa State transfer defensive back, to the defensive staff, or the defensive roster, I should say, right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well. If you want to call in, be a part of the show, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you missed any of the first part of this segment, this is continuing on with this conversation, talked about why Auburn has had to go to the transfer portal so far to get players like Craig McDonald, it's because they're behind. Talking about some of the stats with Craig McDonald of his season last year at Iowa State and also where he fits on this current roster. So that was what we've already covered here, talking about Craig McDonald coming to Auburn as a defensive back. Two more things I want to talk about here before we wrap this segment up. We talked about where he will fit, Craig McDonald, where he will fit on this Auburn roster. And 
you know, the next the next thing I want to say is, is he going to be, we talked about, is he going to be a day one starter? No. But will he be an instant impact player? I think so. I really do. I think so. And I say that because he's going to have a specific role. And I think he can play that role really well. If he can do that, then he's going to be an instant impact. And there's, there's a, a way to, to describe this and to think about this, you know, because instant impact doesn't mean day one starter, two interceptions first game, you know, 10 tackles, that type of thing. You don't have to be that type of player to be an instant impact. Being an instant impact player means playing your role, knowing your role, and doing your job well. When your presence is felt, when you step on the field, you make plays. You do your job, and you d- yeah, again, you do your job. Sorry, I'm I'm fighting off a sneeze right now, and I'm afraid it's gonna come, and I'm not gonna be prepared. So if I go silent for a second, it's because I turn the mic off because I'm fighting off a sneeze right now. So excuse me for that. But with Craig McDonald, again, is he gonna be an instant impact player? I think so because no, he's not gonna be a starter. He may not even be the go-to backup in the backfield, or not the backfield, but the back end of the defense. But whatever role that he is assigned, whatever he is assigned to do. I think he can do it well. We've, we saw a little bit of what he did at Iowa State. Again, not a ton of experience, but has enough to where he knows what he's doing in Division I Power 5 football. So I think he's, his minutes will be limited to start. His minutes will be limited, but with good performance, just like anything else, you're going to move up. And I think his minutes will increase as long as he plays good and gets better while he's here. But that's not all on him. That is on the coaching staff as well that's on the coaching staff as well so if he can continue to get better when he gets here do his job well when he steps on the field you know he causes turnovers or he you know causes incompletions and 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 does the right things he will increase his minutes his minutes will increase they will and that's what Auburn's looking to do that's why Auburn went and got a guy like this they didn't go to get him to throw him on the field day one, snap one. They got him to develop and to put him on the back burner and say, look, we're going to use you when we need you, but we're going to make you better so then you can become a starter in a couple of years here and really be a, a, a big player on our defense. And that's probably what they sold him on, and that's probably what he wanted to hear. Will it happen? We're going to find out. But I think his minutes will increase over time. And, you know, was this the right decision for him? Yeah, I think so. I think so. He was obviously transferring, looking for something different. And that would be my guess that Auburn sold him on that. They said, hey, look, we've kind of got our starters right now, but you can come in and be behind them, learn from them, learn from us, and we're going to try and make you better and make you a starter here, you know, down the road. So I think it was the right decision for him. Was it the right decision for Auburn? Yeah, why not? Why not? You found a guy in the portal. He has experience. He knows what he's doing. He's an athlete. And he's the perfect player that you can mold into what you want for your defense. I think it was the right decision. It was the perfect decision for both sides. I don't see this going negatively at all. Unless he just doesn't pan out and transfer somewhere else. But I don't see that happening. It's early. Yeah, I get it. He just committed over the weekend but 
I don't see that happening with this staff or this player. I think it can go really well. I think it could go really well. So I think it was the right decision for him. I think it was the right decision for Auburn to go after him. And, I mean, what's it going to hurt, right? Honestly, when you think about it, what's it going to hurt? Because, again, he's not going to be thrown out there snap one, so it's not going to go poorly, and they're not going to put him on the field until he's absolutely ready. And that's what you got to remember. With a player like this, who you get in the portal halfway through the month of May – He's not going to touch the field until he's ready. And especially in big moments, he's not going to touch the field until he's absolutely ready. So really, when you think about it, this is a true test to what this defensive coaching staff can do development-wise. We're going to find out. How long does it take for a guy like Craig McDonald to touch the field? And then when he does, how good is he going to be? How good is he going to be? I think that's a big testament to this coaching staff. What can you do with a guy like Craig McDonald, who has a little bit of experience, but not a whole lot, who is not going to be a starter, but is trying to become one? I think that proves that's a great test and will prove just what this defensive staff, coaching staff, is capable of. I think that's a great way to put it. I really do. I think that's a great way to put it. And then ultimately, what does this say about Brian Harson and this coaching staff? Well, I think it means that. Guys are wanting to come to Auburn. Not just high school recruits, but Auburn's starting to get some guys from the portal. Auburn's starting to convince guys, hey, this is a place that you want to be. This is a place you need to be. And I think guys are buying in. And not just the guys that were already here. Guys like Craig McDonald coming out of the portal. Guys like uh, DeZalen, who the wide receiver from Miami. Those types of players, Brian Harson is telling, hey, come to Auburn. You want to be at Auburn. You need to be at Auburn. This is a good spot for you to be. I think that's what that means. And also, it means that this staff and Brian Harson continue to work, continue to grind. They're still working at it. They know they're behind. They know. You don't have to tell them. They know. But they're continuing to work to get better and doing what they can with what they've got and what they've got available to them, which is the transfer portal. So I think that's what it means. I think Brian Harson and the staff, they're convincing guys, hey, come to Auburn and be part of something special. And they're always working. They're always working trying to make Auburn better because they know it's an uphill battle. Auburn football adds Craig McDonald, the defensive back transfer from Iowa State. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about some other football news when we come back. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Halfway through hour number one. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. It's been a great 30 minutes. We've got 30 more minutes left here in hour number one. Reminder, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will be with us in hour number two at the 3.30 slot to talk about Auburn baseball and what happened with them against Alabama over the weekend. So make sure you stay tuned for that. That'll be at 3.30, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. 
Just got done talking about Auburn football. Uh, added Craig McDonald from the transfer portal, the Iowa State transfer defensive back. Of course, Auburn picked him up from the portal over the weekend and uh, really had a good breakdown about what that means for Auburn, what it means for him, how he's going to fit in this uh, defensive in this defensive style and this defensive roster. So great segment talking about that. But now I want to talk about this Auburn team and the coaching staff as a whole and Brian Harson as a whole right now. And here's the question. What needs to happen between now and SEC media days for Brian Harson and Auburn football? What needs to happen between now and SEC media days for this Auburn coaching staff and Brian Harson and this Auburn football team? And it may be a weird question, right? You're like, well, it's the summer. What, what can they do? They can't really do anything. What, what do you mean by that, Jacob? Well, what I mean by that is what needs to happen between now and then? There's some things that need to go down. And there's some things that the coaching staff has to physically do. There's some things that they need to do mentally. There's some things that they need to do more or least not the question or not the, not the word that I'm looking for, but... There's some things that they've got to do with the fan base. There's some things they've got to do with the media that that will really benefit them long-term if they can do some of these things. It's going to make more sense when I start talking about it. But let's go look at the official SEC Media Day's dates because that's important. It's July 18th through the 21st in Atlanta. It's at the College Football Hall of Fame again, July 18th through the 21st so you've got what let's see how long that is from now that's basically let's see two months that's two months from now right two months from now then after that college football season's right around the corner so what does Auburn football and Brian Harson need to do in the next two months before SEC media days well there's a couple of things you got to keep recruiting high school and transfer portal you got to keep recruiting Keep showing your face in the community. We talked about Brian Harson going to the golf tournament in Birmingham last weekend. Uh, he did some, out, some other stuff this weekend. We'll talk about that. Keep showing your face in the community. Continue selling Auburn, okay? And also, you need to build hype around your program heading into SEC Media Days, okay? Those four things have to happen for Brian Harson and this Auburn staff, this Auburn team, if if they want to have a good feeling, I guess, going into media days. Because if you don't, you know how SEC media days goes. It, it can be a lot of fun for coaches, or it can be a living you-know-what for coaches. It can be. It can, it's one of two ways. Coaches either love it or hate it. Because you either get praised and they hype up your season, the media does, or you just get attacked uh, by the media you get asked the same three or four questions just worded in different ways and it's probably one of the one of the longest days of your life right so for Brian Harson to avoid that to avoid that what do they have to do in the next two months because again we're two months out for media days in Atlanta which by the way side note it should be back in Hoover by the way it should be back in Birmingham in Atlanta I don't like it. I like it in Hoover. I think it belongs there. The SEC office is in Birmingham. SEC Media Days worked out so well 
in Birmingham. I thought it was great. I loved going when it was in Birmingham. I vote they should move it back, but that's just that's a side note. But it is important because they should move it back. They should move it back to Birmingham, out of Atlanta. It is cool at the College Football Hall of Fame, I guess, but it's the SEC media days. Shouldn't it be in Birmingham where the SEC offices are? Right? Should be in Birmingham, but side note on that. So what needs to happen between now and SEC media days for Auburn and Brian Harson and this football staff for them to feel comfortable walking into media days to where it's not going to be miserable for them, where they can actually go and give actual updates about the program rather than, do you think your job's on the line, Harson? Because that's, that's how it's going to be if some things don't change. Because if it were today, those are the questions. Those are the questions that he would face if it was today. Right, And you know that's how it would go. First of all, they've got to keep recruiting. Okay, You've got to keep recruiting, not just in the transfer portal. We talked about that with Craig McDonald. Yes, you do have to continue in the transfer portal. Continue to look. right? But I think we are getting down to the point where you know Auburn's added a couple guys from the portal, and now do they really, you know, is there anybody else that they could go find? Maybe. Maybe there is, maybe not. You never really know. But again, the players that they get out of there right now are going to be guys that they want to develop for the future. So nothing too crazy when it comes to the portal. But at the same, at the same time, you have, to, you have to also be recruiting in high school because you're still looking for guys to, to get on your roster, to have on your team, and... You've got to keep going. You've got to keep finding guys. You've got to keep going to these high schools, right? You've got to keep going to the high schools. You've got to still develop the relationships with coaches and with players because the season doesn't stop or the offseason and recruiting doesn't stop in the summer, right? It doesn't stop. You've got to continue to build those relationships. Obviously, Auburn had Tiger Takeover, or I think that's what it was called, with you know, with going to the high schools and the coaches going all over the country, doing their thing, or not all over the country, excuse me, all over the state. And I think that was fantastic. But you've got to check up now, right? You can't just pop in one time and expect everything to be okay. You've got to be able to check up on all those high schools and all of those players that you're recruiting, even though it's the summer. Check up, check in. Just say, hey, we're still over here. Don't forget about us. We're still here. That's got to continue to happen. you got to keep building for the future because if you're Brian Harson and the staff, you're planning for the future. Yes, you have the, uh, you have the thought of, okay, we've got to survive this season. We have to make it through this season. But also, you can't think like that. You've got to think, this is my job. This is my program for years and years to come. I've got to build it to where I'm successful and I don't have to do this battle every single year. Because hopefully this doesn't happen. You don't want to be this far behind every year. So you've got to continue to build for the future if you're Brian Harson, And if you can build a big-time 23 class or at least have guys considering you for the 23 class when you go to SEC Media Days, that can be something you talk about. That can be a redirecting point. That can be a talking point for you if you're Brian Harson, You can say, well, look at what we've done for the upcoming class, Right. That is something that he can talk about. That is something he can bring up and say, look what we're doing. Look at where we started and look where we are. If you can get to that point, I think that's a big-time deal for Auburn. 
That's got to continue to happen in the next two months. And not even the next two months, in the next months and years, right? Obviously. That's one of the obvious answers, but that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop. you got to continue to do that if you're Brian Harson, Another thing, keep showing your face in the community. Keep showing your face in the community. Keep showing that you want to be in Auburn. Keep showing that you are an Auburn man. And I think Brian Harson is becoming that. Was he when he showed up? No, because he had never, he'd probably never been to Auburn, right? He had probably never been here. But now he has been here, he lives here, he's a coach here, he gets involved with things. Last week we talked about him being at the golf tournament up in Birmingham, showing his face, donating money, doing great things like that. This past weekend, uh, I'm pretty sure he threw out the first pitch at a baseball game at Auburn, so that's another thing. Sure, they asked him to do it, but I mean, technically he could have said no. He could have. Nobody would have known if he would have said no. Nobody would have known, but he said yes. He goes out, he does things like that. He goes in the community. He goes to golf tournaments. He also does things on campus with the students. I know it's the summer, so that's kind of hard to do right now. But those are things that you have to do. Look at Bruce Pearl with the basketball team. He did all of these types of things because he needed people to buy in. Because when Bruce Pearl took over for the basketball team, nobody cared. (laughs) I mean, let's just be honest. Nobody cared because the basketball program was in such shambles that nobody nobody cared. But Bruce Pearl made them care. He gave them a reason to care. He said, here I am. And he, you know, dropped himself in dunk tanks on campus and, and, and put his face out there and his name out there and did everything he had to do to get fans to buy in. Look at it now. Sell out crowds every night for basketball. Brian Harson has to do the same thing. Has to do the same thing. And I think to an even higher extent. Because if you don't, if you don't have fan support, it's over. But I think that's starting to grow. I really do. I think that's starting to grow. If you disagree, let me know. If you don't support or if you don't believe, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to know why. I'm curious. You know that. I'm always curious to see what you have to say. But... I think the confidence in him and the program is starting to rise. I think we've moved on from the past stuff, the stuff that went down, and I think we're starting to move on from that. The positivity seems to be on the rise. But that can't stop. And Brian Harson has to continue to get out in the community, get his face out there, let people know, I'm not just a football coach, I'm an Auburn man. I'm a human being. Those types of things work. It sounds dumb. It sounds weird. You're like, Why are we talking about this? Because it works. And those types of things have to be done. It's not all about football. Football is a lot of it, obviously, but you've got to do the other things too. The small things have to be done really, really well for you to be successful at the big things. That's what I'm trying to get to here. Do the small things really well to where you can really do the good thing, the big things well too. Because if you can't even do the small things, like – just going out in the community and meeting people and showing your face, if you can't do that part of it, you're never going to be successful at the big stuff. That's just a fact. It's an absolute fact. What else does Auburn and Brian Harson have to do in the next two months before SEC Media Days? I think you have to continue to sell Auburn. Continue selling Auburn for Auburn. 
right? That goes back to recruiting. Get guys on campus. That's the biggest thing. That's what Auburn does. What is, what's always been the thing that Auburn claims to sell themselves on? It's Auburn. Yes, you can try and sell your coaching staff and yourself as a head coach if you're Harson right now, but what's the biggest thing you can sell if you're here on the Plains? You sell Auburn, and that's what they have got to do right now. With their recruits, sell Auburn for Auburn. Get guys on campus. Show them why they want to be here. Tell them about the future. Tell them what you plan on doing, yes. But sell them on Auburn. And I know it's the summer, so it's a little bit more difficult, but you just got to get your foot in the door. At least be considered for some of these guys. And I think Auburn is on the rise to do that. Months ago, six months ago, Auburn's recruiting, you know this, Auburn's recruiting was in the tank. It was in the garbage. It, was, it looked really bad. And then all of that went down. It looked even worse. But they've rebounded really well. Because now they're getting guys on campus. Remember when Auburn had that football camp, like the first one with Brian Harson, and it just bombed? I mean, nobody showed up. It was horrible, right? They didn't just quit. They didn't just say, well, that's not going to work for us. Guess we got to do something different. No, they kept doing it. And now they've got guys signing up left and right to come to these types of camps and, and, and training things and whatever they want to call them. Auburn's got guys signing up left and right. And that's what you got to do. You're not going to get them all. You're not going to win them all over. But getting guys on campus is a big deal. Go get them to look at that giant football facility they're building over there. Go get them to look at that thing and say, hey, when you get here, that's going to be done. That's going to be brand new when you walk in here. That's going to be yours. That's pretty cool. That would convince me. That, I, I would at least think about it, right? If I'm a commit, if I'm an 18-year-old, and I see this brand new football facility being built, and they show me what it's going to look like, and they tell me this is going to be yours, brand spanking new when you walk on campus, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's why they're doing it. You can sell that to kids. You can sell that to recruits. And then you can say, this is what we want to do with you. This is what we want to do with our football program. I think if the guys, if Brian Harson and the coaching staff can do that, can sell Auburn, continue to do that, they can have that to benefit them at media days as well. They can say, look at the culture we're building. That's another thing. Build that culture. Sell that culture. The difference between then and now. That's another talking point at media days. And that's what I'm getting at here with this whole conversation is, what does Brian Harson and Auburn have to do between now and SEC media days in two months to where they are prepared to not just get bombarded. That's what I'm talking about here. Let's take a break. We've got one more talking point about this conversation as we wrap up here in hour number one. What at media days? So we've got, let's say we're at media days, right? Brian Harson and this Auburn coaching staff, once they're there, what do they need to do to be successful? I know it's two months away, but I want to start talking about it. We'll talk about it more once we get closer as well, but got one more point. What do they need to do when they get to SEC Media Days? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Monday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins wrapping up hour number one. 
here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. Like I said, wrapping up hour number one of the Monday edition of On the Line. If you want to call in, be a part of the show. We've got about four minutes. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the conversation of what Auburn and Brian Harson need to do between now and SEC Media Days. They've got two months. And what sparked this, this conversation for me was you know, there's two months between now and then. And, you know, I was thinking about SEC Media Days coming up. I was thinking about it this morning. And I was thinking, how is Brian Harson going to be treated at Media Days in a couple of months? And if it were to be today, I think he would be bombarded. I think he would have a miserable time because all of the questions would be, well, how do you, you know, how are you responding to what happened in February? Is your job on the line? You know, what, you know, what, no pun intended. What are you, you know, what are you doing to save your job? How are you going to be successful? You know, those types of questions, it, it's going to, it would be the same three or four, just worded in different ways, and he would feel like he was having to defend himself the entire time. I'm trying to ask the question how does he prevent that from happening? How can he go to SEC Media Days with some of his players to say, here's what we're building at Auburn. This is why we're going to be successful. Not, this is why I should keep my job, right? I think he will still get some of those, but if he does some of these things I've been talking about, I think he can avoid that a little bit. And we already talked about a few of the points. The last one that I want to make is, here's what he needs to do at Media Days, and even before then, what he needs to be doing. He needs to be open. He needs to be open with everybody, with the media, with his players, with, with the fans, with everybody. Be open about what's going on inside the program because I think that'll help him. I think that'll benefit him. Tell, you know, give updates when you're asked the questions of recruiting or the portal or, you know, injuries or whatever it may be, the status of the team. Be open, be honest. That's going to build trust. That's going to build trust with the media. It's going to build trust with the fans. It's going to build trust with your team, with your coaches, with your, I mean, your coworkers. That's what they are. That's going to build trust with everybody. And I think if you can do that, when you answer the questions that you're asked, you get, that gives you the chance to pump up your program, to hype up your own program. That's what Brian Harson needs to be doing. Be open about things. But tell why Auburn is going to be successful. Why is this team going to be good this year? That is your opportunity to do that. So when the media comes to him, be positive, right? Be positive. Tell why this team is going to be successful. Tell why you are the man for the job. Because I think he is. I think Brian Harson is the man for the job. I really do. I think he's the man for the job. But I want him to tell us why he's the man for the job. I want him to tell us why this team is going to be successful. As of May 16th, 2022, why should we be excited about Auburn football? Why should we be ready for football season in 110 days? What should we be excited about? Those are the things that I want to hear from Brian Harson in the next two months and then at SEC Media Days. 
That's it for hour number one. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay tuned. The Monday edition of On the Line. Live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday, May 16th, 2022. Hour number two officially underway. If you missed any of hour number one, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following today's show. You can go and find the first hour of today's show or any of my other shows. Again, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following today's show. Hour number one, it was great. We talked a lot of Auburn football, so if you missed it, go find the podcast. I recommend that you do so. But hour number two underway right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. If you want to call in, be a part of the show, I would love to hear from you. Give me a call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. You can call in, be a part of the show, talk about anything you want to talk about uh, related to sports. I would love to hear from you. You could call in, talk about Auburn football, uh, NBA, NHL, PGA, uh, MLB. I don't care, man. Call in. I want to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Here in hour number two at 3.30, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He'll be joining us to talk about Auburn baseball and their big result over Alabama this weekend. So make sure you stay tuned for that. He is back for his usual Monday 3.30 slot. That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He'll be on to talk about Auburn baseball uh, from this past weekend and what to expect Coming up this weekend, and this week rather, for Auburn baseball, that's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. But let's jump right into it. Hour number two will start, as always, with making headlines. And there's some headlines going on in the world of sports today. Of course, Auburn baseball over the weekend, they had a big series at home against Alabama, and technically, they swept. Technically, they swept Alabama. Okay, technically they did. They played two and a half games, you could say, two and a half games of baseball. Uh, Auburn wins Friday night and Saturday night. Yesterday's game, uh, as I'm sure most of you know, was got put under a rain delay because, look, yesterday it started like pouring down rain multiple times, like pouring down rain. If you're here in the Auburn-Opelika area, you know that. It started pouring down rain, and I mean, there was like a 
10 to 15% chance of rain, and it just outright downpoured. And the Auburn baseball game got put under got put under the rain delay, and then it got canceled. So they didn't end up finishing the game. And we can discuss that a little bit more. I got a phone call. Let me take that real quick. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to On The Line. Please stay tuned as we take this phone call. You may get involved as well. Call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. And we're back. We got a phone call. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Dan is on line one. Welcome in. Hey, good good show. Really enjoy it. Um, passing through the area and get to listen to you live. Well, good. Um, I really appreciate you listening in. What you got for me? Well, talking about the baseball game yesterday, one, I, I thought it was a travesty. You know, Auburn had bases loaded, one out, and I really think the SEC should rethink some of these lightning delay rules and not starting an inning after 7 p.m. on getaway day. It just, um, I think it may have cost Auburn a win. They had the momentum and and hate to see that. Um, yeah. And my, my other comment, maybe Jacob could talk about this, but um, going into um, once we get into tournament play, do you think uh, Butch will revamp the rotation and let Gonzo start that first game because it's so important to get in the winner's bracket? And I think he's our best option. And I think as we saw this weekend, the key proper in advance is going to be that bullpen. I, I was I just really thrilled with the uh, – bullpen this whole weekend and then what we saw from guys like Alsip and uh, Sheehan and others I think that'll be the key for them to to go deep in the tournament yeah for sure well to your first point you know it, it is disappointing to see the game got canceled yesterday um, you know obviously the SEC for sure but sports in general they're real serious about lightning delays um, Auburn High had an issue with that Friday night they they got stopped and then restarted uh, for baseball but you know lightning delays it's got to be within a certain mile radius obviously you know that but it is disappointing to see the game got canceled um, you know and you can think about it being rescheduled but Auburn's got a midweek game on Tuesday tomorrow at Sanford and then have to travel to Kentucky so you know I don't know if there's a good way to you know to to fix that but it is a disappointment because I agree I think Auburn had a lot of momentum it wasn't a guarantee that they were going to score but they did have bases loaded in the fifth inning and like you said momentum so it, it very well could have been a stolen victory away from Auburn but you still get two wins against Alabama. You would have liked to have seen the third, but that's just an unfortunate you know, event in, in, in baseball with weather. But to your second point, with Gonzalez going, um, you know, I, it was good to see him bounce back over the weekend. I like to see him back to where we know his skill level is. And I don't know if Butch will, will move him around to the first game slot maybe but I know he you know all season long he's been on that tail end slot and that's where he has been comfortable at so it would be you know it would be it may be kind of weird for him to move up a couple of days in his routine so I'm not too sure to be really honest with you man yeah and I also say it's really good to see Mason Barnett become that dude Um, he's always had potential and if he can um keep it up then then he's a good opening day option as well yeah for sure but you know I think if it comes down to Auburn has to have one game must win no matter what I mean if you had your choice I think right now you would have to go Gonzalez I would yeah for sure well Dan we appreciate the call 
That was Dan here on the line. You can call in, be a part of the show as well. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We appreciate the call right here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Yeah, the points I was I was about to get to, but I'm glad he called in and brought it up. In that Sunday game, Auburn, it was tied 1-1. Okay, Auburn had won Friday night and they won Saturday afternoon. And so Auburn had already won the series, but they were going for the sweep. Okay, Auburn was going for the sweep. And on Sunday afternoon, Auburn and Alabama were tied at one in the fifth inning. Okay, game one, Auburn won 3-2. Game two, Auburn won 6-4. And in game three, it was a 1-1 tie in the fifth. Auburn had the bases loaded, a lot of momentum, had a chance to get some runs across, and the lightning delay hit. And off the top of my head, I don't know what the SEC rule is uh, when it comes to the distance that the lightning has to be within the vicinity of play for them to shut it down. But, you know, it entered the delay. I'm looking at the article right now on AuburnTigers.com. It entered the delay at 432, tied at one, bases loaded, bottom of the fifth. And apparently curfew restrictions surrounding getaway games, they, re- they called it, basically. And it was not going to be able to end or restart before the designated time. That's not really something I was familiar with until you know, it's, one of those, it's one of those rules and regulations where you don't really know that it exists or that what the actual rule is until it gets put into effect or when it actually happens. That was what this scenario was. Um, look, you hate to see it because Auburn was on the verge, I think, of probably winning that ball game. And, you know, you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as Auburn maybe lost out on a win, but maybe Auburn lost out on a loss. So, you know, I would have liked to have seen it gone on. Obviously, safety is important when it comes to lightning, playing with metal baseball bats and all of that. But, you know, I would have liked to have seen it possibly restarted after that. Um, Again, I talked about it with with the caller there that rescheduling probably wasn't the option just because I know Auburn has a midweek tomorrow at Sanford. I'm sure Alabama does as well somewhere. It could be at home, but I'm sure they have a midweek. So that just wasn't really going to work. So you hate to see Auburn miss out on that opportunity to try to get the full-on sweep, but they do get two wins against Alabama at home, and that's what you have to look at, I think, if you're Auburn. Yes, it, it sucks, right? It sucks that you miss out on that, but you still get two wins over Alabama, and hopefully the one game where you don't get the chance to pick up a victory, hopefully it doesn't come back to bite you. Hopefully it doesn't come back to haunt you, but... Look, it was nothing that you could control. It was nothing out. Of, it was nothing that you did if you're Auburn. So you can't beat yourself up over it too much, and you still get two wins over Alabama. So look at it that way. That's the best thing I can say. And look, y'all know I'm not the most over the top positive person, but there's really only only one way to look at it. You get two wins over Alabama, and you get you get robbed of a third because of the weather. There's no other way to look at it, right? Take your wins and let's move on and try to win a series at Kentucky this upcoming weekend if you're Auburn baseball. Moving on with making headlines, we talked about it a lot in hour number one, but Auburn football adding Craig McDonald, the Iowa State transfer defensive back. 
Auburn picks him up over the weekend. He committed to play for Brian Harson and the Tigers. Big pickup for Auburn. I think he's a fantastic player. He's got some college, you know, D1 Power 5 experience playing defensive back at Iowa State. Uh, he only played last year. He had 24 tackles, a couple of interceptions, not a ton of snaps, but he did play. He's got experience. He knows what he's doing, and I think he can be a fantastic player for this Auburn football team. Is he going to be a day one starter? No. Can he be a role player? Absolutely. Will his minutes increase over time? I think so. I think if he gets better, I think if he does what he's supposed to do, take advantage of the time he gets on the field, I think he can be a fantastic player. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for this Auburn coaching staff, this Auburn defensive coaching staff especially, to show us what they can do development-wise. How well can they develop a player? We're about to find out because he has a little bit of experience, but, I mean, he's not a fantastic player yet, but I think he can be. I think he can be. He's a great athlete. Watch him play. He's got some skills. He knows what he's doing. He's got some experience. He has some snaps. But this is a perfect experiment for this Auburn team, this Auburn coaching staff, to really develop and mold this player into somebody that they want and that will fit perfectly in their defensive system. I hope it turns out well. I think it can. I'm excited to see what he can do. I hope he can take advantage of his time and the snaps that he gets on the field. He is coming in a little late, so it may not be much at first, but this is a situation where you could see him get more playing time as the season goes on. And God forbid any injuries back there, that could be a reason he gets in as well. That's not the reason you want to see him get in, but you want him to be ready if that happens because injuries do happen and you want him to be ready to go if his name is called upon. I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited to see him play. I think Auburn found themselves a great player out of the portal, probably one of the better ones that was left in the portal. And look, is it a wide receiver or an offensive lineman? No, but Auburn knows where they needed some help and they went out and got the guy. And I think that speaks volumes to what this coaching staff is doing right now. Moving on with making headlines. Going to talk to the NBA and NHL a little bit because this weekend was full of just fantastic action. If you, man, if you didn't watch it, I I don't know what to tell you at this point. I've been preaching it for a month. I've been preaching it for a month, over a month. You got to watch it. And if you didn't watch it this weekend, you missed out. You absolutely missed out. It was game seven galore over the weekend. Starting on Friday night, you had a couple of game sixes, and then you had game sevens in the NBA on Sunday. You had game sevens all weekend long in the NHL, but we'll start with the NBA first. On Friday night, you had the Boston Celtics at Milwaukee. They win 108-95 to to force a game seven back in Boston, and then the Golden State Warriors, they take care of the Memphis Grizzlies 110-96. to They win that series 110. When 96 in that game, they win the series 4-2. Golden State moves on to the Western Conference Finals. And then yesterday, look, yesterday they were game sevens, but they were both blowouts. And they were not blowouts that I saw coming. The second one for sure. In game one, or I guess the first game of the day, In Game 7 in the Eastern Conference semis, Boston 
They beat Milwaukee. They move on 109 to 81. This was a good game at, at halftime. Fantastic game at halftime. And then Boston just exploded. They outscored Milwaukee by 10 in the third and 13 in the fourth. They win 109 to 81. And Milwaukee went in with an interesting game plan. They said, we're going to guard every single player on, on Boston's team except Grant Williams. You remember him? Yeah. You remember him? Milwaukee decided they were not going to guard him, and he made them pay. Remember he played at Tennessee? He was pretty good. They decided they were not going to guard him, and he made them pay. He buried seven threes in their face. He shot 18 of them, but he buried seven three-pointers. So good for 21 points. He had 27 on the night, 10 of 22 shooting. He only shot four two-point field goals. Everything else was from three, and they left him wide open most of the time, and he made them pay. Boston moves on to the Eastern Conference Finals. They will take on the Miami Heat starting tomorrow on ESPN. And then the other Game 7 last night, this was a shock to me and to the entire NBA world. It was the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns. Game 7, Luka in the, in the Mavs, Chris Paul, Devin Booker in the Suns. And Dallas, I mean, just put it on them. Put it on them and didn't even look back, didn't think twice about it, didn't even care that these people had some children. They put it on them 123 to 90. Dallas moves on to the Western Conference Finals and it was over by the first quarter. Dallas was up 27 17 and they never looked back. They scored 30 to 10 in the second quarter, 35 to 23 in the third. They did get outscored by nine in the fourth, but it didn't even matter. 123 to 90. Dallas wins game seven on the road in Phoenix to move on. Luca dropped 35 points. That's all you need to know. And Spencer Dinwiddie had 30. There you go. That's another good stat. Dallas moves on. They take on Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Game one will be in Golden State. The NBA uh, Conference Playoff or the Conference Finals, excuse me. Get underway tomorrow. That's Tuesday. Boston at Miami, 7.30 on ESPN. Do want to update you about that because here on ESPN 106.7 in the Auburn Opelika area, we're going to have almost complete coverage of the entire NBA Conference Finals starting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 106.7. We're going to have the Celtics and the Heat radio broadcast on ESPN right here on ESPN 106.7. So starting on Tuesday, tomorrow night, we're going to have Boston at Miami, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals at 7 o'clock, the ESPN radio broadcast right here on ESPN 106.7. We've got it tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We've got baseball Saturday, White Sox at Yankees. We've got Saturday night. We've got Sunday, and then next Monday and Tuesday, folks, we've got all kinds of games going off for you. Celtics at Heat, and then Wednesday is Dallas at Golden State, then back to the Celtics Heat, then the West, then the East. Then So it almost flip-flops every single day. So make sure you're tuning in. Also follow our social media pages because we'll be posting about that as well. But that's big time. We're going to have the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, the NBA Western and Eastern Conference Finals right here on ESPN 106.7. So make sure you tune in for that. If you're not able to watch it on TV or if you're a radio person, tune in right here and you can catch the ESPN national radio broadcast of all of the games from the Eastern and Western Conference Finals in the NBA playoffs. 
that's it for making headlines. We'll touch on the NFL or the NHL, excuse me, maybe at the end of the show uh, for final take. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Let's take our first break of hour number two. If you want to call in, be a part of the show. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Monday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Got a few more minutes before we head to the 3.30 break. Remember Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He'll be on to talk about the Auburn baseball series against Alabama this weekend and also give us a little preview of what to expect from the Kentucky series coming up and the Sanford game tomorrow night as Auburn travels to Sanford. Or I guess they play up in Hoover tomorrow. I actually saw that. So they'll play up in Hoover against Sanford. So Jacob Hillman will be on in just a few minutes to preview everything you need to know about Auburn baseball as they wrap up the regular season this week uh, before they'll head back to Hoover for the SEC tournament next week. So Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will be on in just a few minutes. But some more NBA talk as we have a few minutes here. Um, are you surprised at the NBA Conference Finals matchups? Because I am. I definitely am. Dallas doing what they did really, really, really shocked me and surprised me. And I think it did a lot of people too. Not just, not just last night. Dallas taking Phoenix to seven games was not something that I thought was going to happen. I'm just being honest. I, it's not something I thought they could do. I didn't think their team was good enough. I know Luka is good enough, but I didn't know that their team was good enough. But I think I do now. I think I know now because they did it. And here they are. They are one series away from Luka being in his first NBA Finals. And it, it, it's shocking because... That Phoenix Suns team was so dominant all year long. They have so much talent. And I'm just really, really surprised that that's how the results went down. And that's how it ended up. We've got a phone call. Let me take that real quick. We'll be right back and get them on the air. Thanks for listening to On the Line. Please stay tuned as we take this phone call. You may get involved as well. Call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, we got a phone call. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Shane is on line one. Welcome in. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, brother? All right. Um... I haven't really gotten a chance to listen to your show today, so I'm just tuning in. Um, I wanted to say something, ask a, a opinion about the baseball. Um, since we had the last game canceled, does that hurt or help us in any kind of way? Because we were inching close to that third spot, actually. Um, behind, uh, well, wait, wait. Third and then we're in the West. We are third in the West. Are we third in the West right now? I believe so. No, I think we're either third or second because we are, I think we're like a game and a half above a few teams, and I would have to look at the actual standings as of right now. But to answer your question, I, I think it hurts, if anything, just because Auburn more than likely missed out on a win. And, I, you know, I, yeah, for sure. I think it would hurt. But, you know, again, it's not a guarantee because it was a tie ball game, but 
bases were loaded, momentum was swinging. I understand that part. And so, you know, more than likely Auburn could have driven in a run. Now, would they have kept that lead? You never know. But I I think it would hurt Auburn more than it would help, I guess, you know, preventing the loss rather than missing out on the win. So, yes, it would hurt. I don't see Auburn winning the West, but it's really about keeping that four seed to try to host the regional. Right, yeah, I, didn't, I don't think we were anywhere near. I mean, we're near. We're actually near winning the West, but we're not. There's no way we could, I don't think, at this point. Um, but only three more games left. Uh, A&M is, 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 from what I, I uh, understood this past weekend, so hey, uh, Tennessee is by far blown everybody away. They've already won the first spot. And then uh, A&M is one game behind Arkansas, actually. And then we're, we're maybe one or two games behind Right, right. Well, looking at it, yeah, looking at it right now, Arkansas and Texas A&M are both 17 and 10 in conference. Auburn is 15 and 11. So, you know, if you add that win, if Auburn could have picked it up yesterday, they would have been 16 and 11. So, yeah, I mean, it it definitely hurt Auburn for sure. Yep. And A&M won that series against Arkansas, so they they win that tiebreaker against those guys. Yeah, yeah. Texas A&M's come on strong, no doubt. We we uh I, I loved the uh, I watched uh the first and part of the third game and um we, we, we played well uh when we were down came you know didn't, didn't give up they just just didn't fight these guys and I'm I'm looking forward to over and, and beyond hopefully we can even, we can host a regional well I hope so too Shane we appreciate the call we're up against hey, the break man yep we're go. Thanks to Shane. That was a great phone call. We appreciate you calling in here on the Monday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Yeah, I'm excited too, man. I I really hope Auburn gets that chance to host a regional. I really, really do. Uh, I mean, that's just so big. It's so big to be able to host the regional in the NCAA tournament like that, to not have to travel. Obviously, you get to stay home. Auburn fans will show up and show out for that series. Uh, I would definitely make it a, a, you know, a goal to go if Auburn gets that chance. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at the SEC standings, Auburn is third in the SEC West right now. And when you look at wins just in general, I mean, let's say Auburn picks up that win yesterday. They would be 16-11 and 11 rather than 15-11. and 11. And... Arkansas and A&M are both 17 and 10. So that hurt Auburn. There's no doubt about it. That definitely hurt Auburn. Uh, They're 35 and 16 overall. They would have been 36 and 16 overall if Auburn wins. But again, you've got to remember, it was still a tie ball game. Bases were loaded, but just because Auburn had the bases loaded, A, doesn't mean they were going to drive in a run, or B, doesn't mean they were going to keep that run. It's baseball. Anything can happen. But Auburn more than likely would have. I get that. So I think it hurt Auburn. I really do. But there's nothing you can do. It's weather. It's baseball. You just got to move on. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network is coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. 30 more minutes left in hour number two here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. 
our good buddy Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, you're back feeling better and ready to go. We appreciate you and your time, as always. Before we talk about baseball, want to talk about Auburn softball a little bit. Their run in the SEC tournament was very short and not so sweet. What happened, man? Yeah, you get matched up with a very motivated and talented Missouri team that uh, was probably underseated. I think the whole storyline with Missouri was how they could have been a top-four seed, uh, but there's unfortunate scenarios that they had to deal with in Tuscaloosa that kind of kept them from uh, being that high of a seed. So you're not playing a team that's probably underseated, and that team goes on to the SEC tournament championship, uh, loses to Tennessee. But I, I still look at it as the fact that the offense just did not get going against a tough pitcher uh, for Missouri. So that's something that is a little concerning going into uh, regionals, but I don't think it's something that will be a consistent factor. Well, Jacob, this was a problem that Auburn had to end the regular season in their last SEC series before going to the SEC tournament, correct? That is correct. Right, and so uh, you know, what does Auburn do to get the bats going again? Because all season long for the Auburn softball team, that's been the strength, has been the bats. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I look at it as the lineup continues to change a little bit. It's not the best circumstance to be under as you know you're sitting here in regionals you want to have that lineup set up but it still just goes back to the injuries that have occurred and whenever those happened the lineup had to shift around and things weren't as comfortable so you got to look at your best hitters you got to look at uh sec freshman of the year brie ellis you've got to look at michaela packer Lindsay garcia and then carly mcconaughey that in that nine spot and you've got to hope that those four the the core can really get things going uh, for the rest of the lineup because the other, the other, the rest of the lineup, obviously not like I said, not the core, but they it's a contagious thing with this team where when one or two girls are hitting well, the rest of the lineup is doing fine. So uh, if if any combination of those of those four can get it going, then I really believe in the rest of the lineup to get things going again. And uh, this is going to be a tough regional. Uh, Clemson has a great pitching staff does not allow a lot of home runs. Auburn hits a lot of home runs. So one will have to give if Auburn is to face Clemson. But first, you have to get through Louisiana. Louisiana is, Louisiana is a 45-win team that's won its third straight conference championship. The last time Auburn played Louisiana, 2015 Super Regional, Auburn won that 2-1 to one to advance the Women's College World Series for the first time. They, these are teams with history. Now, of course, Clemson is hosting its first regional of all time. Uh, that's going to be a fired-up crowd. It's a team that made it to the ACC championship and fell to Florida State. Florida State's the number two overall seed in the country, so they are in a position to do something special as well. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, I'm glad you started to allude to it. I was going to ask you, set the scene for me, what is on deck for Auburn softball in the regional, but you're talking about Clemson and Louisiana as well. Yeah, and obviously UNC Wilmington will be there as well. Auburn's 5-0 and against that program, but... It, it, it's a tough regional. Clemson's the 10th seed, so uh, if Auburn is to advance, they'll go to the 7th seed, Oklahoma State, who just won the Big 12 championship uh, for the first time against Oklahoma. It's going to be a tough path for the Tigers, and I think that you have to look at it one game at a time because if you look past Louisiana, you're not going to win that game. Louisiana is a tough program that has been good for years and years and years, and it's a very established program. So I, I, I really want to see Auburn come out and getting a win against them would be a good sign going forward. And I think that getting that game one win is the most important, is the most important win 
of the regional because once you do that, then you've got a chance to go and beat Clemson uh, in what might be kind of a pressure situation for them. Like I said, hosting its first regional ever, maybe maybe there's a little bit of pressure on them and Auburn can apply it. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, Network, excuse me. let's talk about the Auburn baseball team as they had a big series at home this weekend against Alabama. Look, I said technically they swept because they won two games, (laughs) right? I mean, there was a winner and a loser in two of the games. Obviously, Sunday got rained out. Uh, Let's start with the Friday and Saturday games. What did you see from Auburn that you liked as they pick up two victories against Alabama? I mean... I can't. I have to start with the bullpen on Saturday. Eight innings of shutout baseball after uh, Trace Bright didn't have his stuff and just coming out there. Tommy Sheehan, John Armstrong, guys like that. The entire bullpen. Chase also got the save and gave um, a Blake Burkhalter an extra day of rest. It was a huge moment for this Auburn bullpen because it was guys that have needed to step up. It wasn't your usual Carson Skipper, Blake Burkhalter, one-two punch on Saturday. It was eight innings of guys that have shown their stuff, but not consistently. It was just awesome to see them go out and really deal, uh, seal the deal against Alabama as the offense uh, had to chip away throughout that game. And once it did, it was just a safe situation that Chase also really dominated. So I was so happy to see the bullpen perform the way it did. That includes Friday. It was nice to see Blake Burkhalter back out there and get his uh, SEC leading saves again uh, because Mason Barnett has done a good job. I think Mason Barnett's moved into that Friday spot nicely, and uh, it's not it's not perfect yet, but that's going to that's gonna take some time. And I think having these two weeks and this upcoming week to have another start is going to really help Barnett going into postseason play. So I, I was really pleased with the team this weekend, and and that was also – it was an off week for Sonny Deshera. I mean, Sonny dropped below 400 with his batting average for the first time in forever, and the offense was still good enough to get the two wins. And you never know what has happened on Sunday in the uh, bottom of the fifth inning with the bases loaded with uh, Bobby Pierce up to bat. So you, you, you really look at it as a successful weekend that could have been a three-game sweep, but you've got to deal with a two-game sweep. And, you know, last week – I had talked about how big the Friday night game was and a series like this against your your you know your in-state rival. How big was it for Auburn to get the Friday night win going into the rest of the weekend? Yeah, you can tell how fired up they were. It was a one-run win and, and really just a big, big win where uh, a team can't, comes through late. And even though it's against an Alabama team that's not up to expectations, it's still an Alabama team that is good on the offensive end and has has enough pitching to get things done. And also, they've got big games upcoming because they're still fighting to get into the SEC tournament, and uh, obviously that goes into NCAA postseason play. So they were motivated, and they really showed that throughout that game, and it was a back-and-forth affair, and Auburn came out on top. So getting that Friday night win, especially in front of the crowd that was there. I mean, I was so, so excited to see uh, the amount of people there. It was the third biggest series in Auburn history. Uh, highest attendance series and I, I, I was just pleased with how the crowd was into it as well they were there and they were into it so it, it, it was a big deal for that and it, it really encourages me for regional play if Auburn is to host and how that crowd is going to respond to that talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network Auburn gets the win Friday night they come out Saturday and they go down four to nothing in the first inning how were they able to respond 
with the bats and with the pitching, you talked about it a little bit, but especially with the bats to come back and win that one six to four. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of chipping away. You, you, were, you had guys get uh, little base hits, just knock them out there, and even some small ball as well. And I was really happy with the way Blake Rambush and Brooks Carlson played this weekend, especially in that Saturday game. Uh, they came to play, and they really made a difference. And the lineup was moved around a little bit, if you didn't notice. Uh, leading off was Brody Moore, and then Sonny Deshera hitting second, Blake Rambush in the three spot. Casey Howell moved down uh, to the sixth spot. And it was interesting to see how that played out. And I, I thought I, I liked the uh, lineup change. I, I would assume that Sonny Deshera can hit pretty much anywhere in the lineup and that he'll be fine in that two spot. But we'll have to see if there's any more adjustments made to that. And like you said, the pitching was just phenomenal after that first inning. Tommy Sheehan, John Armstrong, Chase also those are the three names that just pop up into mind. And I'm so pleased with how they performed um, this past weekend. And going forward, it's a big deal because – Carson Skipper, they got a full weekend's rest. Blake Burkhalter only had to pitch once. And I, I really think that going forward, that is going to make them so much more confident. And they know, okay, there's at least three other guys in the bullpen that we can rely on. Uh, and we're not having to pitch three days a weekend because that was the case back against South Carolina and even against Tennessee. Obviously, Burkhalter got hurt in game one, so he didn't. But Skipper was pitching all weekend. I think it's a big deal uh, to have those guys not having to pitch every single day. And Hillman, you know, Auburn wins game one and game two. They win the series, but the conversation coming out of the weekend is the, the what could have been yesterday with the game being a no contest in the fifth inning. Game was tied at one. Auburn had the bases loaded. You know, what, what's your take on that about, you know, what happened and does it hurt or benefit Auburn? Yeah, it doesn't. It does not benefit Auburn. I don't think it matters that much. I think it's just kind of a neutral thing where, well, you don't get the extra win, but it's also just you're at the point where you're hoping to get a top four seed in the SEC tournament. It would have been nice to have a chance at some chaos going on and maybe overtaking Texas A&M or Arkansas in the SEC West. But you're going to need a lot of help from other teams uh, like Ole Miss and Alabama this next weekend against Arkansas and A&M. So it. It's not the biggest deal in the world. I, I don't think it's going to impact the way the committee looks at it. Um, I, I think it's just more unfortunate for the teams and how that series ends. It was a competitive series. Yeah, Auburn had already wrapped up the series win, but Alabama's playing for that SEC tournament spot. Auburn's playing for regional uh, uh, seating positioning. And these two teams are in the same state, and you can't let them resume after 7 o'clock. I don't know. It's a, it's an unfortunate ruling that we've seen. I've seen reasons why. I mean, there was an Auburn Alabama game back in 2017. It never stopped or had to restart, but that game was played well into the night. And I understand it because it is a Sunday. But also, classes aren't in session. Alabama's just a three-hour bus trip away. It, it's really unfortunate that uh, they were unable to resume that game, and we'll never know what could have happened because hey, you never know. Alabama they could have gotten out of that jam but Auburn also could have scored several runs and and dominated that game so you don't know and you'll never know but I don't think it really impacts Auburn uh that much it, it doesn't help Auburn but I don't think there's too much of a negative impact on it. well that's kind of the point that I had too I mean you never truly know Auburn could have scored three runs but then they could have blown it Alabama could have gotten out of it there were so many different ways that could have gone down but there is also, you know, always will be the question, well, what if Auburn would have swept, right? But it right. is what it is. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, moving on from the 
series win against Alabama. Auburn's got a midweek game tomorrow against Sanford. What do you expect from that? And then we'll get into the Kentucky series. Yeah, that, that, that's an in-state opponent that is always played. Auburn tough, of course. Casey Dunn isn't there anymore. But I mean, that was always a big thing was Casey Dunn against his old team, play, always competing well with that Sanford team. Uh, Sanford, Auburn's played them once this year, beat them. Uh, Sonny Deshera, Brooks Carlson, uh, they they played for Sanford. They transferred in from there. And uh, they'll be looking to uh, beat them again like they did earlier this season in a midweek game. And I really think that uh, – this is the last midweek game of the season. Auburn's, I think, is nine and one. Those midweek games, maybe ten and one. Then that's such a big stat for the committee uh, when it comes to NCAA tournament seeding. So you want to finish that midweek slate out strong and uh, really have finish that on a high note. And then, of course, the last SEC series of the of the year of the regular season at Kentucky. That's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. How does that affect this at all, if, it, if any, against this Auburn baseball team? Instead of being Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I wouldn't say it does. It would matter had Auburn uh, switched up the pitching rotation a little bit, but they've been consistent keeping Trace Bright on Saturday, Joseph Gonzalez on Sunday, even with the injuries to uh, Hayden Mullins. So I don't think it impacted that much. It's just one day short of uh, the seven-day rest that they usually get. And really, pitchers only need about five days. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue. Uh, but I do look at it as a big series for Kentucky because, like Alabama, playing for other SEC tournament lives this weekend. There's a lot moving around the SEC uh, standings. Ole Miss coming out of nowhere. Vanderbilt is surging. So for Auburn, you're trying to hold on to that top four spot so that you don't have to play on Tuesday of the SEC tournament. Kentucky's just trying to get to Hoover. So there's going to be some do-or-die games this upcoming weekend. And uh, obviously Kentucky, they show they, they beat Tennessee two games out of three, but backed it up with a series loss of South Carolina. You don't know what you're going to get out of these Wildcats. And we know we're going to get out of Auburn. So uh, it, it'll be a big weekend for Auburn to go out and hopefully get one more road series win. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. One more question, and I'll let you get out of here. What does Auburn have to do well? I guess, you know, the mindset as well for Auburn at Kentucky this weekend to get the series win and to try to solidify that top four spot in Hoover and also get to host a regional. Yeah, I think if you keep doing what you've been doing, then you're going to be fine. Of course, the starting pitching, I think that uh, you can find some more consistency with that. I thought Gonzalez did really well in the few innings of work he got yesterday, backing up two consecutive losses. Uh, the Tennessee game was a quality start. Arkansas, not so much. So I thought he backed that up pretty well. Uh, Trace Bright, he needs to bounce back. But we've seen that from him. If he has a bad outing, he usually bounces back from it well. And then I think Barnett just keeps doing what he's doing, eat up innings at the beginning of the game and let the bullpen do its thing. Because I feel like now Auburn has five guys you can rely on in that bullpen. I wasn't so confident you had that many uh, before this past weekend, but what I saw from them on Saturday, that is was such an impressive showing that I, I can trust them going forward. And as far as the bats go, I just want to see Sonny DeShera get back above the 400 line. He dropped below that, and I want to see him get above that and uh, uh, have that stat to his name. But I, I, I think the bats are going to be completely fine uh, moving forward. Well, Jacob Hillman, we appreciate you and your time. As always, uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing. Yeah, y'all follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. As I, I won't be in Hoover, but I'll, I'll be keeping track of all that as well as the Kentucky series this upcoming weekend. Well, good deal, man. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Yeah, you as well. Thank you, Jacob.
That was Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network talking about Auburn softball and then Auburn baseball as well. Let's take our final break here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll wrap it up with some hockey talk. How about that? We'll be right back. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goa wrapping up the Monday edition of the show. Just got off the phone with the one and only Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. We talked about Auburn softball and what to expect as they get ready for the regional action in NCAA softball. And then also Auburn baseball talked about the series against Alabama, what it means that Auburn was not able to get that game yesterday, uh, possibly the win yesterday against Alabama. And then also what to expect this week against Sanford and Kentucky, what's on the line for Auburn baseball as they wrap up the regular season. So if you missed any of that or any of the other parts of the show today, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following today's show. Again, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. If you missed any of today's show or any of my other shows, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We've got a few more minutes before we get out of here. It'll be The Drive with Dan Peck and Bill Cameron from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama from 4 to 6. So make sure you stay tuned for that with Bill and Dan. But we've got a few more minutes and want to talk about hockey because the playoffs this weekend were unbelievable. You had Game 7's galore going all over the place. Friday night, you had... Two Game 6s that were extended to Game 7s. The Rangers beat the Penguins 5-3 to extend it to a Game 7. The Panthers beat the Capitals in overtime. They win that series 4-2. The Dallas Stars, they beat the Calgary Flames 4-2 to extend the series to the Game 7. And then starting Saturday, three Game three game 7s on Saturday and two Game 7s on Sunday. So the NHL had five Game 7s in a matter of two days. That's unbelievable. And if you've never watched a Game 7 in hockey, there's nothing quite like it. It's like, the, it's like watching a Game 7 in the NBA, but better. Literally just better. And then, if it goes to overtime, like we saw both games did yesterday, there is nothing better than a Game 7 in overtime in hockey because you literally are on the edge of your seat. The game can end at any second. You never know. It can end at any second. You've got to be paying attention and watching at all times. I mean, it's so exciting. You want to talk about adrenaline? That is what it is. Hockey, game seven in overtime, can't be beat. But Saturday, there was three games. This one breaks my heart. It really does. My Boston Bruins, they blow it again in the playoffs. They lose the series to Carolina, four to three. They lost game seven, three, two in Carolina on Saturday afternoon. Tampa Bay, this was an upset. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 2-1 in Game 7. They take the series. And then the Edmonton Oilers, one of the best teams in all of the NHL. They've got one of the best players in all of the National Hockey League with Connor McDavid. They win that game 2-0. They move on to the next round. And then yesterday, both games went to overtime. Fantastic games. The New York Rangers, they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-3 in overtime. They move on. And then the game of the weekend, the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. The Flames, they're the one seed in the West. They beat Dallas 3-2 in overtime, but they had to do everything in their power to do so. The Dallas Stars goaltender, Jake Altanger, 67 
shot attempts, three goals allowed. He had 64 saves, folks. Unbelievable. Final tape for today, hockey playoffs, they're better than the NBA. I'm just going to say it. That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.